Gracious God, may only your words be spoken and your words be heard. Amen. As today's gospel reading starts out, these disciples are gathered in Jerusalem together. And it's that first Easter day, but by now it is nighttime. And most of them have absolutely no idea what Easter means. They've heard stories of an empty tomb and of a mysterious stranger. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands among them and says, Peace be with you. They are startled and terrified, we're told. It's not surprising. Dead people don't come to life again. It must be a ghost. The first thing that Jesus does is to help them move beyond that fear. He doesn't dismiss fear. He doesn't ignore fear. He doesn't criticize fear. He addresses fear. And he addresses fear, interestingly, not just intellectually or emotionally. He uses all five human senses to do so. He speaks to them. Why are you frightened? Why do doubts arise in your minds and hearts? He says, look, look at me, look at my hands and my feet. You can see that it is I myself. He says, touch me, handle me, if that'll help you get a handle on yourselves. Examine me for yourselves. And even that doesn't seem to be enough, engaging hearing and sight and touch. They, they still can't believe their senses. So in their joy, while they are still disbelieving and wondering, Jesus says something pretty common. Do you have anything to eat? They give him a piece of broiled fish, something to smell, something to taste, and he eats it in their presence. And it's that simple action, just witnessing a normal, everyday real human body action, such as having a midnight snack, that has to be calming to these disciples. This is the one with whom we had broken bread. We recognize this. This is the one made known to us in the breaking of bread. There he is eating with us again, a meal. So the first part of the story that we are invited into today is this. When, when we are filled with fear, when we're filled with disbelief, when we're bewildered and confused by life, we're not alone. God meets us there and helps us through it. Not just intellectually, as if we could think our way through fear, but God engages us, all of us, in effect saying, look, I, I will tell you what peace and calm, what faith sounds like, and I will show you what peace and calm and faith look like, and I will tell you to what they taste like, what they smell like, what they feel like. Our fear is replaced with faith so that our minds can be opened. Because notice the next thing that happens, these disciples are no longer full of fear, and it's only then that he starts to interpret to them all that was said about himself in the scriptures. In other words, they had to have open minds in order to study scripture. And our minds and our doors are not open when they are in fear. 
as every demagogue throughout history knows full well, our minds are not open when they are filled with fear, which is why bad leaders, bad political leaders, bad business leaders, bad church leaders in this and in every age do not want us to think for ourselves or have hope in anyone other than them in order to keep us in fear, in order to stoke fear, in order to increase fear, in order to point fingers at others, to close minds, close communications, create cliques, barriers, and walls. And it's why good leaders in this and every age, good political leaders, good business leaders, good church leaders, encourage people to think for themselves. That's why they avoid being the center of attention. That's why they try to relieve fear, calm fear, decrease fear, and increase faith by help us to look beyond and above ourselves, to welcome others, to create connections, to build bridges, to point to others and to God. In these disciples' joy, disbelieving and still wondering, they have moved from being startled and terrified, they've moved from fear to joy. So the next thing that happens is that Jesus commissions them to be the gospel story. Go out and be witnesses. In the book of Acts, they're going to receive Holy Spirit and work signs and wonders in the world. And the most remarkable part of the Luke-Acts book is it doesn't end with Luke-Acts. It continues with us. We are to be the continuation of the story that we heard. We are to be good news in the world. You might be thinking, right, get real. How can we be good news? How can we be full of joy in today's world? Do you realize how much bad news there is? So much bad news every day. The politicization of masks our nation's idolatry of guns, rampant, ingrained, institutionalized racism that perpetuates a culture by deliberate design in which it is not only disadvantageous but dangerous to drive or walk or shop or vote while black. In such a world, in such a culture, isn't it a bit unrealistic, isn't it naive to think that we can be full of joy and good news? Yes. Yes, it is unrealistic and naive to think that if we think we can do it on our own, if we think we can do that by becoming better educated or more aware, if we think we can do it by working harder or longer. The insight which Christianity has to offer is that we are not merely unaware people in need of knowledge or lazy people in need of activating or apathetic people in need of motivating. We are sinners in need of a savior. Which is why it's so appropriate that today there's a baptism. In just a minute, I will ask Maeve's parents and godparents to renounce on her behalf the authors of everything that is bad in the world and to take on everything that is good in the world. They will renounce Satan and the spiritual forces of wickedness. They will renounce evil powers of this world that corrupt and destroy creatures of God and sinful desires that draw us from the love of God. 
And after those things are renounced, I'll ask them a question that we polite, well-educated, supposedly enlightened Episcopalians always find a bit awkward in its bluntness. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior? It's not just a question for parents and godparents the day of a baptism. It's a question for each of us on a daily and even hourly basis. When we find ourselves drowning in the lake of bad news, when we're exhausted and feel like we're going under, what do we do? Do we try harder? Do we dog paddle faster, scream louder, accuse and excuse more? Or do we reach up? and reach out and say, help, I need help, we need help. I've not put my whole trust in God's grace and love. I've followed other lords, small g gods, that don't love me back. So today, I join with those who are committing themselves to Christ and do all in my power to support Maeve and her life in Christ. I will renew my own baptismal covenant. With God's help, I will continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, in the prayers. With God's help, I'll continue persevering and repenting, proclaiming, seeking, serving. With God's help, I will love my neighbor as myself, strive for justice and peace, and respect the dignity of every human being. In other words, today, with God's help, we as the body of Christ will be good news that people can hear and see and touch and smell and taste. We will be the resurrection story and good news in the world today. With God's help, amen.